you work hard for for what you want and you work hard because of the decision you made and the most important thing is i you gotta start somewhere oh i i think about recipe in the shower and my dreams <laughs> it's, it's become an obsession <laughs> There are a lot of people don't know about matcha. They don't know about, you know, hojicha um, powder. They don't know about like what is ube or what is taro. And these are great flavors I grew up with. So I tried to do a little twist. Hey listeners, today we have a very yummy episode with Christian Ao, the founder of One Happy Bite a baking blog that features Asian-inspired ingredients in traditional Western baking. Even though she started her blog just a year ago, she has grown her blog from 10 readers to now 5,000 followers on Instagram. Some of her most popular recipes include the matcha chocolate crinkle cookies and black sesame mochi muffins. Stay tuned on how she followed her passion one happy bite at a time. I hope you will enjoy this episode. Hi everyone, welcome to the Permission to Become podcast. This is a podcast about Asian American women exploring their boundaries and permissions around self-discovery and personal empowerment. In this podcast, we will dive into the untold tales of Asian American women breaking out of who they should be and becoming who they truly are. My name is Joyce Bao and I'm your host on this podcast. So today, I'm super excited to have Christian Ao uh, on this podcast. I happened to stumble upon her blog recently while I was searching for mochi muffin recipes after falling in love with the ones I found at Third Culture Bakery in Berkeley. And I just immediately fell in love with her recipes and how she infused traditional Asian ingredients with Western baking. So. Um, welcome, Christian. I love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got inspired to start One Happy Bite. Hi, everyone. Um, thanks for having me and Happy New Year. Um, so I'm Christian. I am the baker and content creator behind the blog One Happy Bite. Uh, I'm originally from New York and I grew up in Taiwan, but I moved to Southern California about a year ago. My, um, besides baking, my daytime or full-time job is a physician assistant. So I spend most of my time working in the operating room, you know, assisting in surgery at a pediatric hospital. And I launched my blog actually uh, exactly a year ago. Um, And it's been a a fun side hustle. I just, you know, I wanted to do it. A lot of my friends has been pushing me to create a blog for years, and I finally, it was just the right time at the right place, finally decided to, you know, step out of my comfort zone and... Wow, congratulations. I have to admit, I'm a little surprised you just started a year ago, considering all the recipes you created and um, the incredible community you built. So I love to start with uh, your childhood and how food played a role in your family growing up? Um, 
food definitely played a huge part in my family, not only because it's part of the family business. Growing up, my parents own restaurants and my aunt has a few bakeries. So you know, everyday conversation has just involved food and circle around food. Um, but also it's food is just how my family communicates, how they express their affection. I think like typical Asian parents, my parents don't verbalize their love. <laughs> um, but as soon, you know, as soon as I get home from school, they will ask me if I'm hungry, have I eaten yet? If I'm not, if they're not home, they'll put a post-it on the fridge, uh, you know, reminding me, remember to eat, there's food in the fridge, remember to heat up. Even now I'm a grown adult, my mom still call me sometimes, making sure I'm eating all my veggies and fruits. <laughs> so that's just how they, show, you know, food is their love language. Mm, that is so good. I can completely relate. The way our parents or my parents show me love is like when I just see them cut the, the fruits in like these like perfect cubes and shapes and serve it on a platter. And that's like, it, in a way, looking back, that's really like their way of showing love and affection. Right. And that's only, well, that's my parents' only way to show that they care about you. Just are you still hungry? Like, have you eaten yet? <laughs> Instead of saying, oh, I love you, I miss you, it's like, have you eaten dinner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's like the sixth, uh, the sixth love language that can be added. <laughs> um, so uh, on your blog, I thought, I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned you grew up um, in New York, spent time in Taiwan and Japan. So I'm also really curious, like how, having lived in so many different places, um, how did those experiences um, really shape you growing up in terms of, you know, how you, how you view the world and also your relationship with food? Definitely, you know, being fortunate enough to live in so many places and travel around um, has really shaped who I am today. You know, I never thought my upbringing was interesting or different from other people until college when I was talking to my friends. You know, I, I was born in Manhattan, New York City, and then my mom took me back to Taiwan when I was about five. And I attended an international school in Taiwan. So I grew up speaking uh, English, Mandarin, Taiwanese, and a little bit Japanese just because my grandparents speak a little bit Japanese. Um, and then I moved back to New York uh, when I was 16 and I've been uh, living by myself since, since then. Um, my dad is definitely I don't think he's like the, he, definitely not typical Asian dad, because even though they re work really hard, um, 15, 16 hours a day, my dad made sure that he would close the restaurant and take one to two weeks off every year. Um, so he can take us on a vacation, on a trip to go somewhere. So I think I was very lucky that I was able to travel quite a bit. And I think spending my, most of my childhood in Taiwan is really essential because it connected me, helped me with my culture as well as my family. Um, and 
being able to travel and live in another part of the world and later have my life has helped me open my eyes and broaden my horizon. Yeah, that sounds like a really enriching experience to grow up and be immersed in all these different cultures and just absorb the, the best, I guess, of what each country has to offer. I think it helps me, definitely helps me be more uh, flexible and I can easily adapt to any environment that, that like, I throw myself into. So I'm curious to hear a little bit about like, what were the things that fascinated you as a child? And you also mentioned that your family had a restaurant business. Like how, how did that uh, play a role in your childhood? I think that, you know, I've always loved food and I'm not a picky eater, uh, mainly because I'm just surrounded by food all the time in the summer. Uh, my parents would make me uh, work part-time in a restaurant because, you know, I have to get, you know, I get rewarded for what I, I work hard. They want to teach me work hard, play hard. Um, and they're also, my family is, are also big foodie and big critic. But what's interesting is they never let me help out in the kitchen. I always go in to help out in the front. I help out with packaging, um, you know, boxing stuff, but they never let me step into the kitchen. I think my mom has always said that, you know, she wants us to get good education because she wants us to work hard um, using our brain, not physical labor, because she realized that restaurant business is a lot of work. You know, I see my parents wake up at four o'clock in the morning and then don't get home until 10 p.m. And it's a lot of manual labor and she doesn't want that for us. So she kind of always steers us away from um, the kitchen. Oh, that's super interesting because now, you know, looking at you, you're back in the kitchen but as a child. And it's really interesting also that your parents didn't want you, you, you guys to suffer sort of from the, the, the hard work. So I'm really curious, like as a child, like who, who did you actually want to become? Like, what did you want to do growing up? I wanted to be a graphic designer, specifically a greeting card designer. <laughs> I've always been really uh, crafty. I'm into arts and crafts. I remember, you know, I used to design and make birthday cards for every single one, every single one of my family. And, you know, I would make my own earrings, I'll make my own bracelets. I, and I would stay late after school just to make posters. Um, so I wanted to go to art school for, for graphic design. And then I think later on, I thought about being like an event planner because uh, be, just because I love hosting, I love when people come together, celebration. Um, but of course, that all that didn't happen. <laughs> well, let's dive a little bit into that. I mean, I, I can also completely relate to your these these passions like I also love like cards making cards and events it just brings like this like bundle of joy um so it really sounded like you had a lot of creative passions and interest in your childhood so 
tell me a little bit about like how that evolved into your decision of what you chose to study in college. So I actually applied for an art school, but my mom had a way of, uh, my mom never say no to me. You know, whatever I want to do, she always say, okay, go do it. But she always have a way to really subtly guide me to the direction that she wanted me to <laughs> go to. So when I told her, you know, I want to go to art school, she didn't say no, you cannot. But she told me, if you become an artist, it's going to be really, really hard. And you may not make enough income in the future to support your family. So I thought about it. and. You know, I'm usually, as a responsible person, I'm like, oh, well, I, I need to support my family. I need to take care of my parents. So I didn't end up going. Um, I ended up picking just a science major. I think I just picked general biology. Um, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I knew I picked biology just because science, besides art, science is the only other a uh, field that I'm interested in um, but I didn't want to go to med school I didn't want to go into research so I was just kind of taking classes until midway through college uh, coincidentally my cousin's best friend just graduated from respiratory care program so he told me that I can apply he got a job right away after college so I did and I got in so after college so I studied respiratory care in college and became a respiratory therapist at first before a physician assistant. Uh, I lived and worked in Boston for three years and then went back to school to become a physician assistant because I, as a respiratory therapist, there are very limited opportunity to advance um, both, both career and education, you know, wise. Um, so at that time, I had a lot of friends who were PA, so they all um, encouraged me to apply. So I did. Happy with my decision um, because now I um, am a full-time PA working in surgery. In a way, um, surgery is kind of arts and crafts because I'm suturing, I'm cutting. <laughs> when, I'm, when I make a wound look really pretty, it's like, oh, this is satisfying. <laughs> That's really interesting because it sounded to me like your journey of picking your career is really from the stance of like, I'm responsible and I want to make a, um, a decision that um, kind of looks out for my long-term like future stability perspective. Um, and I think a lot of, um, so I'm kind of curious then when did this, baking part kind of creep back into your life and started <laughs> nudging you? <laughs> um, college. I mean, growing up, I, we didn't have an oven at home. So, and even if we, you know, my grandparents, I think there's a little tiny oven and it's used as storage space for pots and pans. So I've never, never used an oven until college. I was living in the dorm room um there is a crappy oven that everyone used and no one cleaned but one of my roommates was one day in the middle of the night was baking pillsbury chocolate chip cookies 
and I was just fascinated. It smells so good, and I <laughs> decided to dive into baking. I started studying cookbooks, you know, watching food networks and exploring different recipes, and over time, it kind of just manifested into this, like, passionate interest, <laughs> and yeah, and I realized it, it was just so much fun to me to do, you know, it, it opens up that creativity that uh, I was missing um, for a while, and I just love experimenting with multiple recipes, you know, combining them, sprinkling a little twist on it, and yeah, I would just find any excuse to bake. If there's bake sun school, I'll bake. If there's someone's birthday, I'll bake. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was really um, surprised when you saw when I saw that you wrote your self-taught baker, um, considering like all the recipes that you created are just so creative, so interesting. And some of them are pretty daunting, like I'm afraid to try try them. So I'm really curious, like how did you find the time to develop your passion for baking? Just, you know, anytime not working. So I work just only on the weekdays at night when I come back from work or on the weekends that's the time when um, I would spend baking sometimes I would bake all day Saturday and Sunday I have a planner which I just plan things out like Thursday I would uh, go grocery shopping for the ingredients that I need Friday I write down my recipes um, see which one works, see which one, you know, failed. And then Saturday I would bake and, um, photograph, uh, write blog posts. And then Sunday is when I kind of do everything over again, planning the next week. And wait, just, just to clarify, were these, um, was this already when you started your blog or this is before your starting your current blog? No, this was, uh, after I started my blog, I started having this kind of routine. Mm, okay, okay, okay. So before you mentioned you were doing like a lot of experimentation, a lot of baking. Those are just for fun, you know. Before my, well, it's so fun, but <laughs> now I'm getting a little more serious. I actually need to write it down and take photos of it. But before that, I just were ha I was just having fun and I would give all the baked goods, I would share them with my friends, with my neighbors, with my coworkers. Oh, I'm really curious, like how did you go about experimenting um, with baking? So it's a lot of trial and errors. There are a few recipes that I've tried five times and failed and I just gave up. <laughs> so like I mentioned before, I read a lot of cookbooks um you know it, there's so many resources out there there's so many youtube tutorials other bloggers um everything is on the internet so i google a lot of things and um i also i think just growing in growing up in taiwan and been to japan multiple times um they people who've been there they there are bakeries everywhere and they're really nice and um, nice bakery with quality, you know, pastries and, and they're in every single corner. Even 7-Eleven has great bread and pastry. 
which, and that, I really miss that. Like here, you have to kind of go out of your way to go find a, a decent bakery. Um, like right now where I live, my only option is probably Vons. Um, unless I go to LA, you know, there are other bakeries. And in New York, New York City has a lot of great bakeries. So I kind of gather all the, you know, what I had before, where I've lived, um, my experience, what I've seen, um, all together. And I try to kind of, um, put an Asian twist on my baking recipes. Um, just because I feel like there are a lot of great Asian inspired ingredients that people need to know. I mean, there are a thousand a million brownies recipe already, right? I don't need to make another brownie recipes because there are a thousand amazing brownie recipe, amazing chocolate chip cookies recipes. But there are a lot of people don't know about matcha. They don't know about, you know, hojicha um, powder. They don't know about like what is ube or what is taro. And these are great flavors I grew up with. So I tried to do a little twist, um, try to sneak that in <laughs> and experiment with it. Sometimes works, sometimes doesn't work, but. Yeah, it just really sounds like this is like kind of your, like I just see like this creative cauldron where you're just experimenting and infusing this whole like recipe development and baking with, with your creativity, which is amazing to see. Oh, I... I think about recipe in the shower and my dreams. <laughs> it's, it's become an obsession. <laughs> I have to actually ask, what's your favorite Asian ingredient? Oh, God. Um, no, you know, I think matcha and taro are, are on top of my list. Um, I grew up eating both. So I think those two are definitely on top. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love matcha. Taro is um, definitely an interesting ingredient that's not very common, like that I don't see a lot here. Um, yeah. My grandma um, would make, use taro for like fry, uh, stir fry vermicelli. She would dice them up, put it in there. She put it in, um, what is that? The sticky rice you eat um, for Dragon Festival. She would put it in there. She would also make it into a dessert with coconut milk and tapioca pearls. There's so many ways that you can. I think our listeners are going to get hungry. Just listen to our conversation. I know. Well, I want to drill in a little bit and start to understand at what point did you decide to take this passion and this fun project into something more serious? Honestly, I think being in California, I noticed that you know on the on when I was on the east coast most of my friends are what you call like specialists they they focus on one thing and they do really well on that one thing either it's medicine or business or marketing um and then when I moved to California I've met a lot of friends and a lot of great talented people and everyone has like at least five titles under their resume they're I met a girl the other day, you know, she's, she works in marketing, but she's also a model, a photographer, a, like, I don't even know, like Etsy business owner. She also do like podcasts sometimes and everyone just hustling. This is like something that I've never experienced before and just 
being or, or like surrounded by these people, like being inspired and motivated, uh, led me to think that, hey, maybe I can do it too. Maybe I can be a PA and a food blogger. <laughs> so was that, was that what triggered or inspired you to start blogging? Um, that's one of the reasons. Um, I mean, like I said, over the years, a lot of my friends have been telling me, you need to start a blog, you need to start a blog. Um, and I think finally last year, this time, um, around January, 2020, wow, sounds like a really long time ago, uh, <laughs> was when I actually felt that I'm in a permanent place with a really stable job. I'm not moving anymore. I used to move once a year. Um, and now I know I will be here long-term, um, and I finally feel comfortable and finally have the time to explore hobbies and um, spend more effort on, on other things. Yeah, and I mean, looking back, it's also, it looks like it's a, it's a really, a real blessing to actually start in 2020 when everybody's at home and everybody's baking. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason. I, I truly believe that. And also, I started my blog before quarantine, so my blog was not a quarantine blog. <laughs> it, it definitely, um, yeah, I'm sure it helped so many people in quarantine. Oh, it definitely helped boost my traffic, especially in April to like June. Um, I saw a, a big jump in my traffic just because that was the beginning of quarantine. Well, I'm curious, how did you actually get in the momentum of starting and um, building out recipes and sharing and promoting your, yourself? I definitely watch a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> and, you know, I've always followed a lot of bloggers um, and just kind of learn from them. You know, there are a lot of people that have been through it all and people who also started the way that I started um, you know, people who write blog posts and tutorials and everything's out there. So I did definitely did a lot of research. Um, I, you know, I, I'm still learning every day, everything about SEOs, about social media strategy, food photography, I'm still learning and there are still a lot to learn, but I just remember I told myself, um, also it was like January 2020. So I told myself, this is my year resolution. If you don't start now, when are you going to do it? So I just did. I just, I just went on WordPress, you know, launch a blog, put up a few posts, put up a few recipe out there and thought to myself, you know, if it's bad, it's probably terrible looking back. Um, but I can always go back and delete it. I can always go back and kind of tweak things. Um, but the most important thing is I, you got to start somewhere. What really stuck out to me um, in this whole conversation up to now is that you really have this mindset of like, you're not afraid of making mistakes and just like getting something out and putting yourself out there and going all in. Like, I just really, I felt this like feisty energy of like, love this. I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to do everything I can to learn about it. I'm, I'm really curious, like, where did this come from? I'm a very, very optimistic, sometimes too optimistic person. And I'm very positive. Um, I, I just think if you don't try it, you will never know if 
it's going to work or not. And there's nothing to lose. If no one reads my blog in the first month, only 10 of my friends read my blog. You know, if no one reads it, then what did I lose? I lose, you know, my time, but I had fun doing it. What I lose the $10 that I spend to register for my domain, that's $10, you know? So you, you just, you never know if you don't try. Mm, I love that point of just asking ourselves, like, what do we have to lose? So I'm curious in the process, um, after you launch your blog, like when did you hit that critical mass of like it just taking off? Um, I'm really curious, like, what was that experience like for you? I don't think it has taken off yet. Um, I have big goals, but it's definitely been steady. Like it's been a steady increase. Um, I think once I start having people, not just friends, but you know, audience and you know, from my blog or from my Instagram, start making my recipes and then posting them and giving me feedback, that's when the wheels are really starting to run. Um, people repost my things, um, you know, bigger accounts repost my recipes. That's when um, my traffic started to increase. And that's when I know, okay, I think, I think I'm doing something right here. And I think I'm going to the right direction. Yeah, that, that must sound like a really exhilarating, like, experience to to get the feedback from other people um that they're they're trying out your recipes and and seeing them share that on social media yeah there are good good comments and bad comments but you know i'm i'm still new to this uh blogging world so i would take any criticism and that's how it can improve and um, try not to make the same mistake Mm. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, like in this process, like what were some of the hardest things or the barriers for you as you're building um, and moving ahead, moving forward with your blog? Um, I think just time um, has been a really big part uh, when I'm in the process of, you know, blogging. My... Um, I have a full-time job, so I work pretty much Monday to Friday. And if, you know, I only have Saturday to test a recipe, if something fail, then I don't have any content that, that week or the week after. Um, and right now, another challenge that I have since it's winter is also um, the lighting because <laughs> the day is so short, you know, the sun goes down on the F4 and I've been shooting in natural sunlight um, but sometimes I can't uh, create something before the sun you know goes down so um, I'm thinking about investing in artificial light just so I can maximize my time yeah I'm really curious like how do you actually manage time right so I think a lot of people are might be dissuaded from pursuing their passion because they're like, well, I have all these other things to do. Um, so I'm really curious for you, like what strategies or what um, techniques did you like hack together to really carve out that time for you to consistently produce content and um, yeah, basically be in service of your audience. 
very simple. <laughs> it is just a Google Calendar and a notepad with to-do list. <laughs> I make a to-do list um, basically every day. So the night before, I'll make a to-do list for the morning, you know, for the day, the next day. And like I told you, you know, I will plan out my week. So on my clue and calendar, I will write, you know, Monday, I have, to do, I have to post on Instagram. Tuesday, I have to post on Pinterest. And then Wednesday, I have to finalize my recipe. Thursday, you know, buy ingredients. Friday, um, you know, plan out the blog post. And then Saturday, actually, fix. So I write everything down. And then I have a checklist of whenever I um, – accomplish a task, I would check that off. And I try to, it doesn't always happen, but I try to accomplish every single um, thing on my checklist for that week. And then on Sunday, I will make another checklist for the following week. That's really interesting. So you actually like broke down your task into something that you tackle every single day of the week. So that it's not this like big thing that you have to do all in one day. Right. Because like I said, my time is so limited. I have to work around my full time job. You know, I get home so late, sometimes 7, 8 p.m. That means I only have about two hours that day to work on my blog. So I kind of have to divide um, tasks throughout the week or else you know, I, I, or else I would uh, accumulate everything on just Saturday and that would, that would be too much. <laughs> I actually really love that. And um, I was actually really just, just in a talk today um, where people were talking about habit, building, building habits and habit formation. And they literally used the word, you got to tackle this behemoth of a goal one by at a time. And I was, and then I thought of your blog. <laughs> One happy bite at a time. <laughs> yeah, really taking the your passion forward, like one happy bite at a time. I just, <laughs> I'm also really curious, what, like what is your process of finding your creative inspirations to come up with these recipes? I think I get inspiration from, from just every day. Um, if I see something on Pinterest that I like, I, you know, saved it. If I see, um, if I thought of something that I've had before, um, and I want to recreate that, I'll write it down. I have like a, I have multiple notebooks and every time, um, I think of something, I would just write it down. Um, and if I have like a, a vision, like a visual of what I want it to look like, I will even draw it out. Hmm. I'm just curious, like, do these inspirations come to you at like certain time of the day? Do you put yourself in a particular mode to kind of get like creatively inspired? I don't know. It just come to me. I, <laughs> I actually don't know. Sometimes I would just look at a pic. Let's say I would look at a picture of, I don't know, like egg tart and I was just thinking, like, what other flavors can I try? Can I, you know, I can experiment with. Um, would it be good with, you know, hazelnut? Would it be good with 
um, sesame and then I'll write those down and and then I'll just try it and if it works and I'll share it with my audience if it doesn't then then you know I, I'll eat it <laughs> trash it yeah that, I guess that gets to the to my next question of um, how do you define success for your recipes That's a very good question I think for a recipe um, well one it has to taste good but also taste sometimes can be very subjective. Um, one of my most popular recipes on the blog, uh, the coffee bean cookies, I have, you know, many, many people who gave me great comments that it was good, but I also have a lot of negative comments who tell me that it's too bland, it, you know, didn't work, it didn't come together. So for me, like I thought it, was you know delicious but some people thought it needs more flavor it needs needs more um intense like coffee flavor so i think flavor sometimes and taste is subjective um but i think a, a good recipe should be easy to follow um should have clear instructions and should um kind of come together it doesn't have to you know create something you know gorgeous or it doesn't have to, to be you know look exactly the same like like my pictures but it has to um it has to in a, in a way um that makes sense and easy for for people to follow mm, and how do you determine how do you gauge that easy meter <laughs> how to um, write a good recipes. I think I've definitely gotten a lot better than a year ago. Um, but I think just based on the feedback that people give you, you know, some of my readers would uh, take a picture of what they made and then send it to me. And sometimes they would say, oh, my cake collapsed. Or um, they would actually tell me that I had a spelling error or like a, a measurement error on my blog and I'll go, I'll go back and like, I'm so sorry and change it. So that's a recipe failed. <laughs> <laughs> so really getting feedback. I think feedback is definitely really important because when I read my recipe, I thought, you know, oh, it makes sense to me. This is so easy to follow, but that doesn't necessarily, necessarily means that it's, the same for for other people. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually curious um, for your audience who might not be as familiar with Asian ingredients. What what what's the experience like um, hearing from their, them and getting their feedback? Um, I think actually most of the people who has made recipes that requires Asian ingredients, they've had that before. Um, that's why they're curious and they want to try it out. Um, if not, I do have a few, few people, you know, asking me, oh, what is, what is that? And in the comment section, and, you know, I will explain to them, you know, this is something that you know, it's very common in Asia, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, most of the people who have made my recipe, they, they've had that ingredients before. And that's why they either they're curious or they, they loved it. 
what I love about your blog is the fact that you're introducing and um, accentuating these Asian ingredients and introducing it to to the world. I'm really curious um, and love for you to share with the audience, like what inspired you to name your blog One Happy Bite? I just thought about, you know, food bringing joy and happiness to people that brings the community together. You know, this is just how I grew up. Um, you know, every time my parents um, brought me, like, brought food home, they're always like, oh, like, are you happy? Like, if you're smiling after the first bite, that means you like it. And that means, you know, you're happy and your belly's happy. <laughs> so it's always that first bite. Like, you know, um, once you bite into something and that person smile, like, you know, <laughs> right? So I was thinking about, you know, one sweet bite, something bite, and I just came up with one happy bite. I, I, I love the name. I just love, back to, um, what is it, the, the love language is really when we feel happy, that's when we feel loved um, in, in its own way. So um, this is, I, I love the name of your blog. So speaking of 2021, this new year, um, I'm curious, what are some of your personal intentions for, um, for your blog for this coming year? I actually just wrote down my plan for 2021 yesterday. <laughs> Again, it's a checklist. So I last, you know, this past year, I spent a lot of time figuring things out, how to create a blog, how to, how to um, I do a lot of research, watch a lot of YouTube videos. Um, and so this year, I would like to put more recipes out there. I want to be more consistent and um, take high, like I take uh, better photos with higher qualities. Um, I want to really like reach out to more, uh, um, more people and hopefully start making consistent income from my blog, even if it's just $30 a month. I want to at least start um, making, generating revenue from my blog. That will be the big goal of 2020. Mm, that's really interesting. Is this, I'm just curious if this is something you want to eventually take it to like a like a full-time endeavor or um like what, what what are your your thoughts around that maybe <laughs> that's definitely something i can see myself doing um i if it i know it's gonna take a lot of hard work and a lot of time especially now i think the food blogging world is very saturated. It's very hard to stand out and gain a lot of followers um, or compete with other, you know, already established uh, big, you know, blog accounts. So um, I think one day I would hope to um, make this be my main uh, business. But for now, um, I continue to be a physician assistant because people need more health professionals and I spend way too much time and money on my education. So. <laughs> 
Okay, well, we're getting close to the end of this session. Um, so, um, one, I'm curious, um, what advice do you have for others who might be interested in taking their creative passion, um, taking to that next level, looking back? Um, don't be afraid. <laughs> I think I think there are a lot of, you know, Asian female stereotypes and a lot of pressure from either you know, your own family or from society. I think if it is totally reasonable to have fear, um, but if you have a strong passion about something, I said go for it. Even if it's just a small, tiny step or you know it's going to take a long time to accomplish, but I would say just start somewhere. Um, I think... I I recently listened to um, this episode uh, from How I Built This, and um, uh, one of the you know the, the person on podcast Janice uh, I think Brian Howroyd she said you know something that really stuck with me. This was like two weeks ago, and it really stuck with me. I, I, it, she said you know I work hard because of the decision I made. Um, not because you work hard, not, not for anyone else, but because if you decide that you want to listen, you know, to your family and pursue the path, then that's the decision you make. Then you work hard for that. Uh, if, you if you decide to um, pursue your passion, then make sure you put 110, 150% into it. Because if you fail, you know that you've tried your hardest. Um, and, but as far as, you know, food blogging, there are actually quite, a um, a lot of Asian American, you know, women food bloggers out there. I would, you know, recommend to reach out to them. Um, you know, they can reach out to me. Um, people are a lot nicer than you think. Um, food bloggers are so friendly and they're all very willing to answer your questions and you know share their experiences and help other new bloggers out there mm, that is such great insight that you just share with the audience and as you were mentioning that quote it just made me think of this quote from audrey Hepburn. Um, she said, I don't take my life seriously, but I do take what I do in my life seriously. And this is just like what it reminded me of, of whatever you decide, then go full, full throttle. Right. I think, yeah, you, you work hard for, for what you want and you work hard because of the decision you made. It just stuck with me this whole time. And I actually wrote it down on my my journal and my checklist. <laughs> well, that is such a great takeaway. Um, so I asked this last question to every uh, guest on the show. Um, so as we are constantly evolving and growing, um, who are you in the process of becoming in this, this year? I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I never, I never know who, you know, I'm in the process of becoming. I just know that I want to become the best version of myself. I want to constantly learn and improve and be good at what I'm doing. Um, so people can come to me and I can help them out. 
and I want to constantly learn new things and take on new projects if I, you know, if I can. Um, so it's just constantly changing. Um, I think I just want to constantly improve and be a better version of myself, a better version than yesterday. Mm. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh my God, thank you for having me. <laughs> How can people get connected? What's the best way for people to get connected with you? They can find me on Instagram at one happy bite. Um, they can either DM me or send me an email or they can go to my website, um, one happy bite.com. Um, and you know, comments or I, I respond to Instagram DM, um, instantly <laughs> they want to reach me and get an answer fast <laughs> Go <to Instagram. laughs> all right awesome well thank you so much and definitely check out her blog she has amazing recipes um to try out so thank you so much for coming on the show all right that's a wrap to this episode of the permission to become podcast I hope you've enjoyed hearing from these incredible women on this podcast so far. I definitely love to hear from you if you'd like to drop a comment on what type of content or guests you'd like to have on the show. You can email me at hello at permissiontobecome.com. That is hello at permissiontobecome.com. Have a delicious and delightful day and don't forget to try out one of Christian's recipes on her blog, One Happy Bite.